On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Reading the text, it says in verse 11 of Luke 17, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the middle of Samaria and Galilee. Samaria is in that part of the world known now as the West Bank. It is part of Israel, I declare it. Verse 12, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Lepers had to be quarantined. So they lived outside of communities and people would bring them food, not hand it to them, but say, hey, here's food for you all, while they lived quarantined till the leprosy was healed, cured, or till they died. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, they recognized his lordship, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. I like my Jesus voice. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. It was customary and a prescribed according to the Torah law that if a leper thought he was well, he had to be inspected by the priest who would inspect him from head to toe to make sure it was all gone. So Jesus is not violating the law of Moses. He is confirming it fulfilling it, respecting it, and not their traditions, but the actual laws. So they went, and they were cleansed. The Greek word there for cleansed is the word from which we get the word catharsis. It's great to be cleansed. It's great to have your sins forgiven, right? Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Can we say thanks? And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made well. Why didn't the others, who I'm assuming were Jewish, why didn't they come and give him thanks? Well, I can surmise a couple things. They were people of the covenant, and they knew that the healing promises in the scriptures. So maybe they had a sense of entitlement. 
It's about time God came through. Whereas the Samaritans were made to feel unworthy because they weren't purebred and their religion wasn't purely according to scriptures. They were jacked up. And when he was healed, a sense of appreciation overwhelmed him and he suspended his trip to the priest and his return home. Can you imagine what a glorious day that was going to be, to be restored to your family? And ran back to the one who healed him. And Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well. That word is the word sozo, the word for salvation, which is God's restoring work in every area of your life. So it's possible he got more than a cleansing. You know, if parts of your body are missing due to leprosy, it would be great for those parts to stop decaying and falling off, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great? It's great to have your sins washed away, but it's even better to be made righteous. It's great to be cleansed of leprosy, but it's even better to be made, one translation says, whole. I don't know about the other nine, but what if, because of thankfulness, he received an even greater blessing? Isn't that awesome? So it is in our own lives. There is a blessing in being thankful. I'd like to speak to you for the next few minutes on honoring giving thanks to God. This day is really a scripture reading, and I'm interjecting here and there. I want the scriptures to speak for themselves. We are commanded, I don't know how many times, to give thanks, to be thankful. And to be unthankful, as you'll see, is not a good thing. Honoring giving thanks to God. The word thank, according to Merriam-Webster, is a verb. It means to give thanks. Thank To thank someone is to give them thanks. To express gratitude. To hold responsible. Like, who do I have to thank for this surprise birthday cake? To recompense your returning thanks. The old-timers, before they would pray those long prayers on Thanksgiving Day, they would say, let's return thanks. God has given us his blessing, and in return, we give our thanks. It's to reward, appreciation. It relates to those kind of things, the word thank. In Germanic roots, it relates to thought or gratitude. In the Indo-European root of tong or tang, it means to think or to feel. When you are thankful, you have been Thoughtful. Related phonetically to think as song is to sing. A lot of people don't realize this. The reason they're not thankful is they're not thinking. The reason I'm not thinking is I'm not thinking right. In ironical use, it's to place blame. Who do I have to thank for scratching my car on that parking lot? Honoring, giving thanks to God. Now let's bring it home. Honoring our giving thanks to God. I don't want this just to be a conceptual talk. Oh, I have a good concept of what it means to be thankful. No, we must apply the word. Apply the word. One of 
my favorite illustrations that Francis Chan uses is suppose a parent tells their child to clean their room and comes back the next day and the room's not clean and says, I told you to clean your room. And the child says, I'm thinking about it and comes back the next day, the room's still not clean. I told you to clean your room. And he says, mama or papa, I am studying the meaning of each word in that phrase, clean your room. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says clean your room, a ball cap, a coffee mug that says clean your room. In fact, we're going to get a study group and call ourselves the clean kids and tell one another to clean your room. And then Francis asked the question, has that child obeyed? No. That is American Christianity. Anything but apply the word, but study it. You know, it's all cerebral exercise, and we think we're being spiritual. Studying brings understanding, but you fall short of enjoying the fruit of that understanding if you don't apply it. Why honor our giving thanks? Why? Well, I'm going to give you 15 reasons why here in the next few minutes. As his saints, we are told to give him thanks. Why must I clean my room? Because I told you to. The Bible tells us to. Psalm 30, verse 4 is one of many verses that say similar things. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Just thinking about his name, Jesus, we sang about it today, which means Yahweh or Yehovah saves. Wow. He saves. How does he save? He saves by answering our prayers. He saves by forgiveness of our sins. He saves by restoring our relationships. He saves by interceding for us. Wow, thank you, Lord, for being who you are. Not just what you do, but who he is. The remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. Some people justify their anger and say, well, God gets angry. Yes, he does. But his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. So anger, favor. You see the comparison? God's anger, God's favor for life. Who's got a reason to praise? Weeping may endure for a night. We do walk through sorrow. But joy comes in the morning. I remember my first Resurrection Day service in Fasama, Liberia in the jungles of West Africa, and I heard them sing a song. I'm sure it was a Negro spiritual from America that they had learned from the colonizers, and it was, Oh, Mary, don't you weep no more. Oh, Mary, don't you weep no more. Her weeping was for a night, but joy came in the morning. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Amen. So why is it important to give him praise? Because giving him thanks is good. It's good, so let's do it. <laughs> Psalm 92.1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Who believes that's good? All right, if you're part of a certain denomination, walk out for the rest of this verse. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound. 
It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Why should we honor our giving of thanks? Considering it is a way into his presence, it makes sense to be thankful people. Who wants to enjoy God's presence in your life? Psalm 95.1, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. So what comes before the presence? Thanksgiving. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. That's the Hebrew word for thanksgiving, todah, which means to extend the hand, to give thanks, to praise. It's sometimes translated praise. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms, for the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. So let's read this together in a loud voice and we'll be obeying it, right? Ready? One, two, three. Oh, come. Hallelujah. So you're going to actually be applying the scriptures today. We just did. So why is it important that we honor giving thanks to God? Doing so reminds us of his everlasting mercy. His anger is but for a moment, but his mercy is everlasting. Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all the members of Generations Church. (laughs) His truth endures. Thank you, Lord, that your word is trustworthy. Psalm 106, verse 1, praise the Lord, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Those last two sentences are repeated in Psalm 107, 1 and 118, 1 and 29. Earnestly thanking God makes him known to others. When we're grateful and we're thankful, it'll have an impact on our witness. Other people will notice. Psalm 105.1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. They'll say, why are you so positive today? Well, I'm thankful. Well, what are you thankful for? That's an open door for a testimony right there, if there ever was one, right? Why is it important to give our thanks to him? Focusing on giving thanks focuses us on his goodness. Who knows we need to be focused? And if we focus on giving thanks, our minds are going to be searching for those reasons to praise. And that is focusing us on the goodness of good God. Psalm 107 in four places says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. 136.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures Yes. Giving our thanks to God honors him for who he is. 
This is why we can thank him in every situation. Because he is who he is. He is the great I am. I am that I am. He told that to Moses. So, your circumstances may have you shaken up, may have you fretting, may have you anxious, may have your blood pressure peaking. Focus on the constant goodness of Almighty God, and it will change your attitude. Has he brought you through this far? Has he been faithful in the past? Maybe things aren't fair now, but we serve a just God, and in And in the long run, you're going to be happy with his answering of prayers the way he does it. Psalm 136.2, Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. Let's say it together. For his mercy. Verse 3, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. Notice it's focusing on who he is, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of heaven, the King of kings, (laughs) the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You can just go to town on thanking him for who he is. Honoring these commands makes everything go better. It just does. Jonah was having a bad day. God had given him an assignment. And he didn't want to do it. The assignment was to go to a wicked community a long time away. So that's a long journey. It's an inland journey. So there's no shortcuts. And preach repentance to them or God was going to destroy them. Very wicked city. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want God to forgive them. He wanted them to be destroyed. Why warn them, right? So in disobedience, he caught a ship. A children's book I had had uh, two arrows at a shipping pier. Here's a ship to Nineveh. Here's a ship to Tarshish. Well, that's not correct. There was no ships to Nineveh. It was a ship to Tarshish. He caught it, and a storm arose. God allowed a great storm to arise, and, and the sailors who are pagans are calling on their gods, and he's asleep down inside the ship, and they wake him up. Man, we're about to perish. What's the problem? He said, I'm the problem. I'm disobedient to God. Well, it's not right that we all die because of your disobedience. So they took him and threw him overboard. The sea calmed and God prepared a great fish. Jesus called the fish a whale who swallowed him. For three days he was in that thing. And in there, according to chapter 2, he began to cry out to God. And he concluded his prayer with this statement. I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Lord, I'm going to obey you. Salvation is of the Lord. And the next verse says, God caused the fish to vomit him on dry ground. In the children's book I referred to, he walked into into Nineveh immediately because the fish took him to Nineveh. That's not true. He had to walk a long way. He had to wash that sewage off of him and get his together to go and obey God. So in his case, everything went better when he began to give thanks. We're shifting to the New Testament now. Philippians 4, 6, 
Paul wrote to the church in Philippi of Greece, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, so we're supposed to pray about everything, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So thankfulness is part of powerful prayer. And what are the results? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Take Thanksgiving out of that picture, and you probably are still going to continue fretting because you're not thinking. Ignoring this will hinder my personal growth. Paul wrote to the believers in Colossae in his letter, chapter 2, verse 6 to them. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So we abound in our Christian walk, walking in Jesus with thankfulness. Maybe things didn't go your way, but you don't know the problems the Lord has saved you from. If you had, things had gone the way you wanted, it could have led to a train wreck. Sometimes God's biggest blessings are unanswered prayers. His prayers are answered, sometimes it's no. I believe the day we cry out to God and pray appropriate prayers, according to the scriptures, he answers a prayer right then. But we don't experience it till the time for the answer. All the pieces of the puzzle are laid out, and there it is, along the timeline of your life. Jesus Christ was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So here he is. He's the lamb destined to be slain. At the very beginning, the foundation. And then, as time progresses, that thing happened. So literally, I believe God established the principle of what was going to happen, and then he backed up. You like my moonwalk? (laughs) He backed up to the beginning. And along the timeline of human history, here comes the answer to the human's greatest need. Along the timeline of your life, It's not that the answer is coming to you, but you're going to the answer. So start giving thanks. Don't wait till the battle's over. Thank him now. Joining others in this will help our corporate growth. Who believes God relates to you individually? So you and Jesus have more than your own thing going because he also relates to us corporately. If you're a parent, you relate to each child individually, but you also relate to them as as a group. They're your children. So God relates to us like that also. So for us to grow corporately into maturity, we thank him with one another. That's one of the purposes of our assembling together. He goes on to write this church in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Notice it's not individual anymore. It's plural to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. We want the peace of God to rule in our hearts. We all must be thankful. 
And our job is to help one another be thankful. Yeah, you lost your job. Man, let's pray about that. But don't you remember the amazing time you had at this job? Now there's a new one coming. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is what we're doing when we gather together. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Can we all say thanks? Thank you, Lord. We're on the home stretch. Keeping our hearts thankful is part of our obedience. We're commanded. We're expected. Is God an egomaniac? No. He's a good father who wants his children to mature and not be entitled people, unappreciative, self-centered, only thinking of now and not thinking of others and beyond now. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in Greece, chapter 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. So we're always supposed to have a reason to praise. We, we got to use our brains, folks. We don't park them at the door, we use them. And we're always to pray and encouraging one another to pray. Wasn't that a great encouraging word from Ray today? And we're to give thanks in everything. In the jailhouse, you can give thanks. In the whale's belly, you can give thanks. Paul and Silas were giving thanks in a jailhouse with beaten backs and probably rats and a smell. And an earthquake came in the midst of their singing to the Lord. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Some people run around looking for the will of God. What's the will of God? What is the will of God? Oh, I sure wish I wanted the will of God. This is a starting point. Start worshiping him. It's one thing we're going to do for eternity, and we get to start now. Practice being thankful, and he will make the path clear and clearer as each day goes by and you and I walk in faithful obedience. He will direct your steps. Learning to give thanks for others helps us win them. We're to give thanks for one another. We're to give thanks for our leaders. Hello, this is a word for us right now in America. 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes this young leader, verse 1, Therefore I exert, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. How many is thankful to live in Granbury? Thankful for our community's forefathers who've gone on before us. Thankful for our community now. For kings and all who are in authority, we're to give thanks for them. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life with all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. How can I lead someone to Christ if I'm not appreciative of them. There's always something good to think about somebody. Do you hear the story about the evil twins? They terrorized the town in which they lived, and when one of them died, the whole town showed up for the funeral. The preacher that was contracted to do the funeral didn't want to do it. 
But the living twin that was evil said, I'm going to give you $500 to do my brother's funeral, but you have to say something nice about it. I can't do that. Well, then I'm not going to give you $500. He says, okay, I'll say one good thing about him. So at the funeral, he got up and talked about how sorry this evil twin was that had died and how good it was that he was gone. But in comparison to his evil twin here on the front row, this guy was an angel. (laughs) Making this our lifestyle makes us different from the world. You want to be different from the world? Become thankful. Because we live in an entitled culture. Have you ever heard of the ugly American? He's a tourist in another country yelling, I'm an American, and I'm an American, and he's just being ugly to everybody because he wants his right. Well, back in America, back in America, that is entitlement, that is unthankfulness, and that is disrespectful to the other culture. So making this our lifestyle makes us different from the world. 2 Timothy, same Timothy, second letter to him, chapter 3, verse 1 begins, this know also, That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Who knows we're living in those times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So there's people like this that claim to be Christians. How do you give thanks for that? You have to pray. So Lord, I can help you. But notice they're unthankful. If they were thankful, they would think twice before they blaspheme the Lord. If they were thankful, they would respect their parents. If they were thankful, they wouldn't be as covetous. If they were thankful, it wouldn't be all about them. They wouldn't be narcissists. Being thankful makes such a huge difference that you'll shine like a light in a dark place. You don't have to be all sanctimonious and Look down your nose at others. Just be thankful for God's goodness. And we live in a hurting world. People are like this sometimes out of revenge because it's been done to them. Nonstop thanking and sharing with others pleases God. We do this because it pleases the Lord. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So we're continually, this is not just a Sunday morning thing, offer our praises to God like sacrifice, the fruit of our lips. And as we do it, we're giving thanks to his name, to his credibility, to his fame, to who he is, not just what he does or has done or is going to do, but who he is, his character. This pleases God. If it's backed up, we're not just worshipers, but we're servers. 
We care about others. So we relate to the throne of God and the groan of man. It's two things. Some churches are all focused on worship and just being spiritual. And some churches are all focused on the social needs and they preach the social gospel and not much to do with the Lord. We're to be a bridge between that gap. God's looking for people who will stand in the gap between the throne and the groan. May the Lord use us. Final point. Obedience to this aligns our lives with who we are. Unthankful people, that's not who we're called to be. Ephesians 5, verse 3 and 4 says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as becometh saints. We're not called to walk in that. What is fornication? It's all sexual activity outside the relationship of a husband and his wife, a wife and her husband. Any sexual activity beyond that, it comes in different forms, have different names, but it's all in the fornication basket. And all uncleanness, this is dabbling in other religions, this is uh, being filthy in your talk, and self-covetousness, this this is selfishness, this is wanting what isn't yours to have. If you're coveting another man's wife, that is not right. Repent of that. That's not becoming for you as a saint. Nor filthiness, nor foolish talking, or jesting, which are not befitting. But what is befitting of a saint? but rather giving a thanks. If I give thanks, coveting has to go. That's who we are, giving thanks. We're thankers, thinkers and thankers. That's, that's our identity. He goes on in verse 18, the same chapter. He says, do not be drunk with wine and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. It's wasteful. No good decisions are ever made when you're drunk. But be filled with the Spirit. Not wine, but the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now there are some things it's hard to be thankful for them. There's disasters that happen. So how can you give thanks always for all things unto God? Because of this, we are promised as believers that all things work together to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So what is the good that all things work together for? That you get the perfect job because you got fired from the imperfect one? No, that can happen. But the good is you and I being conformed to the image of God. This is his plan A. There is no plan B. Give him a mess, he'll make a message. Give him a trial, he'll bring you triumph. Give him your awfulness and he'll give you his awesomeness. So I can give him thanks for all things because all things that are not good are temporary. And all things that are good are are eternal, right? So Lord, I thank you in the middle of this mess. I thank you for this mess because of what you're going to do 
out of this mess. So we've always got a reason to give him thanks. Good things happen. I want to return to that point. Good things happen when we give thanks. Before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he gave thanks. Before he fed the 4,000 with that miracle, he gave thanks. Before he fed the 5,000, you know both these miracles were counted the men, so it was much greater crowds. Before he fed the crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children, he gave thanks. Before he instituted and served the first communion in the middle of the Passover meal, he gave thanks. Paul, as a prisoner, was on a painful boat ride in the wintertime. He had prayed and told them, guys, it's not a good time to sail. We need to stay here. The place they were at was called Fairhaven, but there was nothing for sailors to do during the winter. It was kind of a boring place, and they liked to party on their time off, I guess. So they, they turned against him and said, no, we're not doing what you want. He was outvoted, they thought democratically, I guess. And they hit the seas. And a journey that shouldn't have been long turned into days. It was so bad for 14 days, none of them ate. They threw everything overboard. And the 14th day, Paul stood up and says, I've heard from God. Brothers, I believe in God. You should have listened to me. But not one of us is going to die if we all stay in the ship. A little later... A couple guys tried to escape on the skiff. He said, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, don't do that. You'll die if you do it. The word is we all have to live together. So they threw the skiff overboard and everybody stayed on it. And of course, the ship got wrecked and they survived. Well, before the wreck happened, he gave thanks, broke bread and ate in front of them and says, guys, we're in for some strenuous activity. So let's eat to be strengthened. Let's get some carbs in our system. Because what's about to happen? He gave thanks, and a miracle happened. They all survived. The ship didn't. And when they got on shore, other miracles happened. So it's powerful to give thanks. It doesn't have to be long, but it has to be. It comes from an attitude, but it's an activity. It just is. You know, in aviation... Uh, They talk about the horizon, which is the elevation of the wings in relationship to the land. And they talk about the attitude, which is the relationship of the nose to the tail of the plane in relationship to the land. If your nose is up, you're gaining altitude. If your nose is down, you're losing altitude. Now, if if your nose goes up too far, then you stall and you lose altitude. So our attitude is important that we not be prideful, but that we be positive. And thanksgiving guards our hearts and minds. This is not Turkey Day. This is the day of remembrance of God's goodness. Thank the Lord for his goodness. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for our community. Thank you for Texas. Thank you for America. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Lord, help us to be thankful always for all things and in every circumstance. Help us, Lord, to live a life of contentment, not because there are no problems, but because our lives are founded on you. And help us, Lord, in our thankfulness to think beyond just how good things are for us, but to think 
that we are blessed to be a blessing. Help us, Lord, to serve our fellow man and one another. In Jesus' name, amen.
The word thank is derived from, related to the word think in the original. In other languages, thanking another is related to indebtedness. In Portuguese, the word for thank you is obrigado. And it's a standard term for expressing gratitude in Portugal and Portuguese-speaking countries around the world, which relates to our English word, obligation. Obrigado, obligation. And the expression, much obliged, actually means, I'm obligated. I'm in your debt. I'm obligated to you. Thank you. The French word for thank you is merci. We say merci. It's related to our word mercy, as in asking for mercy. By saying merci, originally, you were symbolically placing yourself in your benefactor's power like a debtor is. Mercy. I need mercy. You've been so good to me. How could I ever repay? The Spanish word gracias has the same thoughts behind it, meaning I'm grateful while recognizing your graciousness towards me. This concept is reflected with our own words when we say I can never repay you or how could I ever repay this kindness. Saying you're welcome or it's nothing or in Granbury, no problem, is a way of reassuring the one being favored that you will not be ascribing a debt to their record, no debit to their account. Saying my pleasure who's eating at Chick-fil-A, is akin to saying, this is a credit, not a debit. Lord, we thank you we are not indebted to you. And we recognize, Lord, this involves remembering. Remembering to thank you. Remembering what to be thankful for. Remembering the kindness shown to us that is just credited to our account and we're not held to some cruel debt that we can't repay. Thank you, Lord, for your generosity towards us. Lord, may we be generous people for you and your glory. In Jesus' name, throughout all eternity, we're going to sing. Let the hallelujahs roar. I'm going to sing in the middle of this storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will rise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the Thank you for worshiping the King with us today. May he bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that is based upon Calvary's conquest when he said it is finished and not human compromise. Thank you so much. Go get him, tigers. <laughs>